welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! How you exit one season in life will determine how you enter the next season in life. It's like how you exit bachelor life will determine the foundation you start building from in your marriage life. There are things that God wants you to work through and deal with before you bring it into the marriage or bring it into the new season, bring it into the new job. If you leave one job, hopefully you can leave it in a good way so that when you enter the next job, you don't bring your baggage. Because how many know that baggage everybody sees? Whether you see it or not, baggage everybody sees. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. The weight of what we bring into season after season after season. And so my prayer for you is that although it's just a, a, a date, that mentally you would leave some stuff in 2019 so that you can have a fresh, clean slate for 2020. My heart, I know God's heart for you is that you would leave some mindsets behind so God can give you the new mindsets he wants for you to have in 2020. There are things that he wants to give you that you can't get with the old mindset. Are you here this morning? Too much Christmas eggnog or what? The things that God wants to give you in 2020, you cannot receive unless you let go of some of the things that have held you down in 2020 or 2019. And that's our prayer for you this morning as you leave. And I want to pick it up in Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 2. Before I go there, just to give you a little bit of context... There was an emperor named Augustus. Everyone say Augustus. And he was a Roman emperor, and he decreed that a census should be taken in the entire Roman, en- uh, the, the entire Roman Empire. And so everybody had to go back to their ancestral towns to register for this census. And so when you understand this part of it, it's very important because we don't always understand the reasons why people had to do what they had to do when reading Scripture. But the reason why Joseph and his pregnant wife Mary had to go back to Bethlehem was because that, where, that is where Joseph would have been from. He was a descendant of King David. Okay? So Joseph and his wife Mary, pregnant, have to walk back from where they are in Nazareth, okay, all the way to Bethlehem. You know how far that is? It's like walking from here to Kingston. Eight to ten day journey. So imagine pregnant wife, firstborn. Imagine all the pregnant wives in here or the former pregnant wives. Raise your hand. Okay. Imagine walking with your baby. Okay, it's your first baby ever and it's divine. It's not like Joseph had anything to do with it. It's what we call an immaculate conception, okay? It was divine. So firstborn, she has no concept, no, maybe no midwife, no, no doula, no book what to expect when you're expecting to read. 
And here she is with Joseph. They've never had a child before, and they're walking eight to ten days from Ottawa to Kingston. Imagine the scenario for a second. When you read this story and you get into the context, it changes the way you read it. So let's read it. Chapter uh, 2, verse 6 in the book of Luke. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. So now they've arrived in Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem, it means house of bread. Every name in scripture has a meaning and a meaning for a reason. Because names were really important in that time. They still are. Things just weren't named without any thought or reason. Oh, that's a cool name, so we'll name them this. No, there was a reason why they named people what they named them. Esau was named Esau because it means red, because he came out looking red. Okay, I don't have to, I can go through all the different names and the reasons why they were named the way that they were named. But Bethlehem means house of bread. You know that Jesus, one of the definitions or one of the, uh, uh, the names of Jesus is that he is the bread of life. He was called the bread of life. In fact, he said of himself, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Speaking to a culture that knew that at one point in time in the Old Testament, God supernaturally fed his people with bread from heaven called manna. So now New New Testament, New Covenant, that was the old, New Covenant, to get them to understand who he was and his value, he is the bread being born in the house of bread. Interesting, isn't it? He is the house of bread being born in the house of bread. He is the bread from heaven. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. So now Mary's in this stable. Remember the story. There was no place for her. No hotel, no Ritz-Carlton. Okay, no Ritz-Carlton, no hotel, no Marriott, nothing. She had to go the place that nobody, no first time giving birth, birthing mom would want to go. There's no birthing center there's no, you know, Mofor Hospital, lazy boy chairs, you know, updated TVs and, you know, beds for the men, you know, none of that. It's they're going to a stall where they actually would have animals and they literally have to give birth in this disgusting, messy, dirty place. Imagine that. Imagine that. Not, not the ideal, is it? Not the environment you want to give birth in. It says here in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly. Everyone say snugly. Snugly, that's a good word. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. This manger, let me tell you something that people don't know. This manger, because it was in Bethlehem. Now, in Bethlehem, the priestly shepherds that were on the, I was just there. I literally was just on the hillside where these shepherds would have been about a month and a half ago. I was literally just there in the exact location. And in Bethlehem, on these hillsides, these priestly shepherds would take care of their flocks. That's why the story says they're taking care of their flock at night, and the angel came says, don't be afraid. They're taking care of their flocks. They're hanging out with their sheep, okay? This area of Bethlehem was known to raise sheep as sacrificial lambs for Jerusalem, for the temple. So these priestly shepherds were actually raising these sheep to bring to Jerusalem to sacrifice them to atone for the sin of the Jewish people in the temple in Jerusalem. 
This is the reason why Jesus was born in Bethlehem, because it would be a sign to the priestly shepherds. They would understand exactly what was going on. Why do I say that? Because in this culture, when a, when a new lamb would be born, to keep it without defect, they would wrap the lamb in snuggly strips of cloth and place the lamb in a manger so that it would calm down. So the priestly shepherds understood this context of what was about to happen. What the angel came and told them, and I'm going to read it to you in a second, was a forecast of what they already knew. They already understood this concept. So for them, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, what's going on? I can see what's going on here. We've been waiting. We've been hearing about. It's been prophesied for centuries. You see it in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, about the, the, the origin story of Jesus coming from this area as a Savior, as a Messiah. They heard the prophecies throughout the centuries about a Messiah that would come and now an angel shows up while they're hanging out with their stinky poopy sheep on the hill and says don't be afraid check out this stable down the road down the way and there's a baby there they're like a baby you mean a lamb well kind of let me read it to you they laid him in a manger verse 2 verse 7 sorry laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. These are these priestly shepherds. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Remember what happens. Where, does, where do the promises come in our life at night? If you were here last week, when it's dark, that's when faith activates. Abraham came out in the dark, looked up into the sky. God said, look, I'm going to confirm to you my promise. What do you see? I see stars. It was a sign of the promise and the word that God had over his life. Where do you see the promise? In the dark, in the night. The, sh the shepherds were in at night guarding their flock and angels showing up, anticipating their fear. They say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you, everyone say good news. Good news. It's a good message. It's a good word. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. Everyone say Messiah. The Lord has been born today in the house of bread, been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will, I love this, you will recognize him. Read this with me. You will recognize with him, him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, Lying in a manger. Do you know why the angel said you'll recognize him by this sign? Because they understood the context that that manger was to calm down a firstborn baby lamb that would be to be that would be uh, raised up to be a sacrifice to atone for the sin of the Hebrew people, of the Jewish people in Jerusalem in the temple. So he said, listen, you're going to recognize the sign because you do this all the time because you're putting these lambs that you're raising up to be sacrificed to atone for the sin of the people in the same exact location. And here we go now, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you're going to see him snugly in strips of cloth in a manger. The environment was prophetic. The environment was absolutely vital in understanding and, and coming into agreement with this sign that it was from God. I mean, the Messiah, the king, could have came on, you know, in robes of gold, in a chariot, you know, birthed in this beautiful chariot of gold, you know. But Jesus not only came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem before he died, he was born in a messed up, messy, 
dirty, unsanitary stable where they put actual lambs. You know what John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29? You know what he said? When he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was called the Lamb. I'm bringing you into the story a little bit differently because I want you to see it differently. I want you to read it differently. He says, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby snuggly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. The manger speaks a lot. It tells us of the environment, the atmosphere, the cleanliness. It tells us how the kingdom works. We think, you know, things should be clean for it to be good. But in God's kingdom, sometimes things need to be a little dirty for things to get good. Now let me just preface that for a second. In darkness, that's where we need light. See, the religious, the people that Jesus had the most problem with were the ones that appeared to have it all together. Jesus, who didn't appear to have it all together, who was the Messiah, who brings everything together, came and confronted all that. He said, I'm here to mess up everything. I'm here to fulfill all the things that you guys couldn't fulfill so I can give you a better, a better way, a better covenant to change the game for how you relate to God. He changed everything. So you see how he was born. You see that this is how the kingdom works. Sometimes you got to go lower to go higher. Sometimes you got to get through the mess to come out with the miracle. Sometimes you, you, you have to let yourself get tested so that you can gain the kind of character foundation and transformation that you would not gain if you were not tested. you got to go through the stuff. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to take a few, time, a few minutes to, to share a message that I would call, When the Mess is Blessed. Everyone say, When the Mess is Blessed. I want to bless your mess today. Because this is the thing. Destiny or the route towards destiny often feels like disorder and chaos. Think about it. The route for Mary to the destiny of fulfilling what the angel came, the Gabriel, angel Gabriel came and pronounced to her, you're going to be, you're going to have a son, supernaturally. She's thinking, okay, I'm going to have this baby in Nazareth, it's all going to be good, I've been going through my Lamaze classes, I'm set up, I got everything, got my book, I got my baby bag, I'm ready to go have this baby. And then all of a sudden, Augustus commands for a census, and she's got to go an eight to ten day journey from Ottawa to Kingston, walking, pregnant, nine months pregnant, so she can give birth in a place that she never thought she'd give birth in. A stable, a dirty stable, a messed up scenario. See, the route towards des the destination or the route towards destiny often feels like disorder and chaos. Are you hearing this this morning? You want to get here, but to get here, you have to go from here to there, and in the middle is all the junk, is all the mess. And if you can learn to find God in the mess, you'll get here. I literally woke up this morning. I woke up. I love when this happens. I woke up. I heard the voice of God woke me up this morning. And I heard these words. It takes a mature person to find redemption in the mess. It takes a mature person to find redemption in the mess. So clear. To go through something that feels horrible and be so mature in your perspective of what God could be doing that you allow yourself to extract 
all the good redeeming properties within that situation. But so often when we come into that mess, all we can focus on is the mess. You get what I'm saying? When I go down into my basement and my kids have literally thrown off like a nuclear war missile of toys all over my, all over my basement, I get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed. And I look at the mess and I could get easily overwhelmed by the mess and only focus on the mess and miss the fact that my kids are building memories while they're making a mess. I could look at the mess and say, that's a mess, clean it up, get really upset. Or I could look at the mess, and I'm not saying I do this flawlessly all the time. I could look at the mess and I could think to myself, wait a minute, they made some memories. I could see the redemptive part of that mess in front of me. I can see through the mess and into all the good things that my kids may have experienced while they made that mess. You tracking with me? This is when the mess is blessed. I, I think this is so important for us in this season because this season, I don't know about you guys, but feels so messy. It feels so incredibly messy. There's no other season like this, like the most pressure, the expectation, especially if you have kids, all the things you have to do, all the things, it's work, it's career, it's, it's presence, it's all these things, and media puts this pressure on you, and the kids are expecting all this, you know, amazing moments and memories, and you gotta, you gotta you try to plan and keep tradition going, and you gotta do all these things, and it can feel chaotic. Anybody with me? It can feel like there's like pressure, and it can feel messy. But if you could look at the season, if you could look at, whatever mess you may feel like you're in right now, and start to see God's redemptive purposes coming through, you'll be able to not only handle the mess, come out of the mess stronger than when you came into it. I want to give you, I want to give you three things that happen when you can start seeing that the mess is blessed in your life. Number one, write this down. Miracles are experienced. Miracles are experienced. The greatest miracle that ever took place was not only the birth of this son, was the death and resurrection of the same son. But this miracle started in a mess, started birthed and born in a manger. Swaddled with the same cloth, they would have swaddled a lamb to keep that lamb without defect, to calm that lamb down. Here, here Jesus is considered the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, swaddled in the same type of cloth, put in this manger as a sign, as a miracle, that even in the mess, the greatest miracles can be experienced. Even in the situations that are dark and feel dirty and feel unclean to you, maybe you're going through a hard time right now, maybe you're going through a relational break right now, maybe you're going through just a crazy career shift, career change, move, or something's happening to you, you're struggling with something, you came out of some stuff. Let me just tell you, if you turn your attention up, you can experience his miracle working power in the mess that you're in right now. That's where the miracles happen. Why? Because you actually need them to happen. You know where miracles happen the most? Where they're expected, where they're needed, where they're desired. When you're on the mountaintop and you're in your clean little birthing room, center and everything's perfect you don't have any expectation other than the nurses are going to help you out it's all going to be good but when you're in a stable giving birth you don't know if what's coming out of you is from the animals 
or yourself. Like you're in a messy situation. I'm giving you an illustration. It's a messy situation. Have you ever watched a birth? It is messy. But what comes out of that, that mess? The most beautiful miracle that we have today, it's life. The mess, the most amazing miracles, you guys, come out of the messiest situations. I don't know if you believe that. I'm going to share this story quickly. I don't know how I'm going to share it quickly enough, but I'm going to try to share it quickly. I, I, I haven't shared this yet. It just kind of happened. But I was thinking about it because it connects to what I'm talking about. A couple years ago, maybe four years ago, three to four years ago, my rear camera in my van stopped working. So I took it to a, um, I'm going to speed this up just to, for the sake of time. I took it to uh, the dealership and they said it was going to cost me to fix the camera to activate it again. It was going to cost $2,100. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay that. I just I can't justify doing that for the camera, although I really wanted the camera. And I brought it to somewhere else. They said the same thing. I brought it to somewhere else. They said, basically, you could do the same thing. You could actually get an aftermarket camera. It would be a little bit cheaper. And it was, it was still pricey enough that it wasn't a priority. And my wife and I, we prayed over, our, we prayed over everything, prayed over our camera. I've seen enough miracles. I've seen things literally appear before me. I, I've seen enough miracles in life to believe that I don't care what it is. Yeah, God can do a miracle through a mechanic, but God can also do a miracle, and he's the greatest mechanic that's ever lived. So I'm just going to pray for the camera. If the camera doesn't work, I have nothing to lose by praying. So we always pray for everything. We prayed, nothing happened. We prayed probably, I don't know for how long. It was getting annoying. And, and nothing happened. So a couple years later, I bring it back. A couple years later, maybe three or four years later, but it's this time now, I bring it back. This is just two weeks ago. I bring it back to get it reassessed, thinking that maybe the part's cheaper or whatever, you know, get it back. And they tell me, they said, you know, Sean, it's going to be $245. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I brought the mechanic out, and I said, listen, I don't even, I, seriously, like, not to, like, I'm not the professional here, but I kind of don't believe you because at one point it was $2,100. Now you're saying it's $245. I think you're missing something. It doesn't, something doesn't seem right to me. All that to say, they had to order the part. They order the part. Arrives two weeks later. I bring it back. And they say, oh, Sean, we made a big mistake. Actually, what the real issue is, is it isn't just the part that we ordered for you. It's your, there's like these converters or whatever that were totally corroded. And it was a complete, literally complete mess. And they had to pull out everything. They pulled it all out. They said, sorry, it's going to cost $2,100 to fix it. So I'm like, I'm not doing it. I told you. I'm like, so I'm not paying for the part. I went back to get my van, okay? And the guy, the general manager of the service center, brought out a box to me with the, this mess of cables that were all corroded. It was cables in these two boxes that were all uh, corroded just to show me that what he was saying to me was true. So he literally gave it to me. He took the mess out. He dealt with the mess. I didn't pay a dime. I literally paid zero dollars. I leave because he didn't do anything, right? They just took out the thing. I didn't, he didn't do anything. I leave zero dollars. I leave. The next day I get into my van and my camera works. After four years, you guys, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, once the mess, once they touched the mess, once they got into the mess, the miracle happened. Once they dealt with the mess, pulled the mess out, literally the mess of these cables, the miracle happened. I was mind blown. I told Michelle, I'm like, man, this is crazy. 
$2,100 blessing. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I receive it. So number one, miracles are experienced. Number two, write this down, messages are formed. Messages are formed in the mess. When the mess is blessed, messages are formed. Luke 2, let's read in verse 10. And the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring a good message. He said, out of this place will be a good message, good news. That will bring great joy to all people in the mess, in this space where this baby is being born, this dirty space. The greatest message that the earth will ever hear will be born or is born today. Great news is going to go out through all the earth. This great message. Messages are formed in the mess. A few years ago, uh, a doctor prescribed to me a, a, a specific steroid for my chest because I had pneumonia. I had what felt what seemed like pneumonia. And it was to help with the inflammation inside, inside my chest. And, and this, let me just tell you, this, this, these, uh, this medication, I didn't react well to them. But I didn't quite know I didn't react well to them in the beginning. My wife would tell me, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it will calm down. It will change. It just got intense, more intense. So I was taking these, this medication to help with the inflammation in my chest, my respiratory area. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, I went Christmas shopping. I was like the best Christmas shopper on the planet. It was like I was like a, 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 a chipmunk on steroids, literally. I, I knew what to buy my wife. I'm like, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. It wasn't stressful. I was like, ping, ping, ping. I was like literally pinging everywhere, okay? You got to understand, I didn't know I was like this, okay? Okay? I was reacting to the, the medication. It was a bit messy, okay? You hear me out here. I get back and I'm like, Michelle, you're going to be have the best Christmas ever. This is amazing. I bought all your gifts in like literally two hours. That's never happened in my life. And literally, I got these gifts and I was so confident. And she opened the gifts on Christmas morning, and I've never seen such a look of disappointment on my wife's face as I saw that morning. Every gift was a fail. Every gift was a fail. It's like, what? I don't even like this stuff. I don't even like this color. You don't even like, it was like I was completely delusional. And here I am, here I am with this mess of presents, being so confident, and my wife is totally like, what, what happened? And I had to tell her, I think, I think it's the medication. I think it's the medication. I say that to you today because the story grows. It grows into a bigger story because I actually came and spoke on Sunday morning the first week that I was on this. And I, let me just tell you, it was a little bit of an interesting scenario. Out of this experience, never take that medication again. Out of this experience, though, a message was formed. That message is never buy Christmas presents on steroid medication. Ever. There's a message in every mess. If you take the first four letters of the word message, what do you have? It takes a mess to have a message. If you want a message to help somebody, you got to go through some mess sometimes. Not just going through the mess, it's making it through the mess. Coming out on the other side stronger than when you came in. If you separate the word mess and the other last four letters, what do you have? Age. Through time, through space, through testing and trial, guess what happens? All the messes that you go through, through the age of time, gives you a message to influence those around you.
a message is formed in the mess. Everyone has a mess. Everybody in this room has a mess at some level. I remember one time I was in Florida, and it was when I was probably in my late teens, and my mother and sister were up on, like, I don't know, maybe two or three balconies, two or three stories higher than where I was. We were at this condo, and there was a hot tub outside by this condo near where the, like, I could actually, like, see, you know, where our room was. And I was going to go into the hot tub, and there was all these elderly people in the hot tub having a good, peaceful time. Florida, snowbirds, okay? They're having a good time. I was, like, the only young guy. Okay, and so I was done with putting sun lo tan lotion on. So I'm thinking, I'm going to throw up the bottle up to the third floor where my mother and sister were because I don't want to keep it there. And then I'll go in the hot tub. Now, I, I'm pretty close to the hot tub at this point. So I'm confidently, I'm like, I'm going to throw it up. And they're like, no, no, don't do it. I'm like, no, I can do it. I'm like a baseball player. I'm going to do it. I can throw it. I'm like, no, don't do it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. So I throw it up, totally misses, like not even close. It lands right beside the hot tub and explodes and splatters all the elderly people on their face in the hot tub. The whole suntan lotion bottle, literally. It was so embarrassing. And it was like they're all, you know, peaceful. So like it was like one of those moments, you know. Where's the message of that? Trust your parents. Trust your parents. Messages are formed in the mess. Number three, write this down. We're almost done. Number three. We have miracles. Our experience, messages are formed. But even greater, messiahs will emerge. Let me just define this word messiah. Outside of a biblical definition, the word messiah simply means a savior or a leader that lives for a cause, that lives to be a representative of a cause, that leads or saves some in some way a particular group of people. That's what a Messiah is. And it says in this chapter, it says, if you read it down, go down to verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the leader that will save the world. That will bring a reconnection from the divine to humanity that's been broken because of sin. The savior of the world that has been sent in this moment. The one that will change everything if you just accept him into your life. The one that will change everything for you on behalf of you has been born today. He is the leader that has emerged in this messy, this messy stable, this messy manger, this dirty place. This Messiah has emerged. In your worst state, you guys, listen, some of you are going through some stuff right now or come out of some stuff. The thing that God is doing in you the most is he's raising up the leader within you. He's developing the leader within you that was always there. Whether you chose to take this mess on or mess just happened because life happens, there's two different scenarios. Sometimes we make bad decisions and we get into a mess. Sometimes mess just happens because life happens. Whatever the case, God's grace is so good that whatever case you find yourself in, there's a leader inside of you developing as long as you let him into the equation. There's an emerging happening in your life through the testing, the messy situations, the dirty situations. I want to put this word up on the screen. Put that word Messiah up for me on the screen. What's the first four letters of the word Messiah? 
God wants you to know today that he is the God of your mess. He's the God of your mess. That miracles are formed and experienced in this mess that you're going through right now, if you just lean in. Messages that are going to change not only your life, but those around you are being developed in this season. And ultimately, the leader within you is emerging because of the mess here. He's the God of your mess. And he wants you to know that. He wants to be that for you. He wants you to let him in.